the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. Today we're going to share an inside look of what happened in the Capitol yesterday as a joint session of Congress attempted to certify the election. SRN has a special report, Chaos at the Capitol. We'll share that with you. It's anchored by White House correspondent Greg Cluxton, and he gives us a glimpse into what happened in real time. Uh, We know that the U.S. Capitol saw four dead, 70 arrested, uh, and we'll talk more about all of those events and what what the day, how the day ended, rather, uh, in the effort to certify the election. Well, we know that Washington, D.C. police said on Thursday that the earlier security breach at the Capitol resulted in four deaths, including a woman who'd been shot by Capitol police, uh, police rather, and at least 70 arrests. The mayor, uh, mayor of Washington, D.C., who's a Democrat, said there will be an extension of the public emergency for the next 15 days. That's leading up to the inauguration, which is slated to run through President-elect Joe Biden's inauguration, which will be scaled down considerably during the pandemic. Robert Conti III, the city's top cop, said that during a press conference late Wednesday, there have been at least, at least 52 arrests, 47 because of curfew violations. By Thursday morning, that number had increased to include at least 70 unrest-related arrests. He said two people, or rather two pipe bombs, were recovered earlier, one located outside the RNC, one outside the DNC. Police said they also found a cooler with a vehicle that had a long gun, Molotov cocktails on the Capitol grounds. At least six firearms were recovered, in addition to the three recovered last night, as well as a stun gun. Uh, Conti said that there have been uh, three additional deaths, along with the woman who police confirmed had been shot by one of their own officers. One adult female, two adult males appear to have suffered from separate medical emergencies, which resulted in their deaths. At least 14 officers were also wounded during the demonstrations. That's according to authorities. Two officers were hospitalized, including one who sustained serious injuries after he was pulled into a crowd and assaulted. Bowser, the mayor of D.C., ordered a citywide curfew for the District of Columbia from 6 p.m. on Wednesday until 6 a.m. Thursday. It was a day that's not unprecedented, but it certainly has not been the case for, well, a very long time. It was a sad day for America as we witnessed the most violent breach of the U.S. Capitol since the British burned down the White House and the Capitol on August 24, 1814, in the War of 1812. That's 209 years ago. Many of us sat stunned in disbelief at the images that flooded across the television screens. There were is no misunderstanding. Americans have to always reject the resort to violence in pursuit of political goals. We've seen that throughout the summer, this being the latest example. It's literally un-American to engage in or resort to violent disregard of the law. This is not a question of conservative versus liberal or Democrat versus Republican. This is right versus wrong. We as Americans, we've inherited a priceless treasure, citizenship in a constitutional republic governed by the rule of law that protects the individual liberties enshrined in the cherished Bill of Rights. 
Sadly, in recent months, we've seen increasing disregard for the rule of law and um, the brave men and women who enforce the laws. Well, ultimately, it doesn't matter whether your motive is breaking the law as uh, uh, as a liberal or a conservative or just secret, deep-seated desire for anarchy, and there are always some uh, amongst us ever ready to riot at the first whiff of disorder. Americans all across the full spectrum of political life need to respond with one unified voice. How dare you? You have no right to undermine and endanger our rights and freedom by breaking the law, whatever your frustration and grievances may be. Now, the reign of the rule of law over the tyranny of the mob must be the priority for every American who cherishes our unique heritage. Our Constitution guarantees the right to peaceful redress and grievances or redress of grievances, not violent protest. Each of us has a sacred obligation to protect that right and pass it on unsullied and undiminished to the next generation and generations, children and grandchildren. These are serious matters, and we want to share with you some insight into what actually happened in the chaos at the Capitol yesterday as Congress met to certify the election. Now, ultimately, early in the uh, hours of Thursday morning, uh, they did just that, but the events leading up to it were in many ways unprecedented in that we were talking about a breach of security by U.S. citizens uh, during this joint session of Congress. And we're going to take a break. When we come back, we want to share with you chaos at the Capitol to give you that insight. Stay with us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Up next, chaos on Capitol Hill with White House correspondent Greg Cluxton of Salem Radio Network. This is an SRN News special report, Chaos on Capitol Hill. I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. A curfew is in effect in the capital city of the United States this evening after a turbulent and violent afternoon in and around the U.S. Capitol building. Angry pro-Trump supporters who were in Washington today to protest the presidential election results jumped over barricades, overpowered Capitol Police, smashed windows, and stormed the Capitol building. The demonstrations interrupted a joint session of Congress with Vice President Pence presiding. The Capitol was put in a lockdown. Lawmakers, staffers, and members of the media were evacuated, and National Guard troops were deployed. Some of the demonstrators breached security, even making their way inside the Senate chamber at one point, as well as in the Capitol Rotunda. Now, as of this hour, officials have declared the U.S. Capitol complex secure after heavily armed police moved to end a nearly four-hour violent occupation. Authorities also have recently confirmed that one woman was confirmed to have been shot and killed during the mayhem. Several hours after the unrest started, President Trump released a video statement from the White House Rose Garden. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Earlier, President-elect Biden delivered remarks in Wilmington, Delaware, harshly condemning the attack in the nation's capital. Let me be very clear. The scenes of chaos at the Capitol do not reflect a true America, do not represent who we are. What we're seeing are a small number of extremists dedicated to lawlessness, 
This is not dissent. It's disorder. It's chaos. It borders on sedition. And it must end now. I call on this mob to pull back and allow the work of democracy to go forward. Vice President Pence, who was inside the Capitol during the chaos, tweeted that the attack will not be tolerated and that those involved will be prosecuted. And from Capitol Hill, Wisconsin Republican Congressman Mike Gallagher expressed a strong objection to the protests by Trump supporters who refused to accept the results of the 2020 presidential election. This is the cost of this effort. This is the cost of countenancing an effort by Congress to overturn the election and telling thousands of people that there is a legitimate shot of overturning the election today, even though you know that is not true. We have got to stop this. Mr. President, you have got to stop this. You are the only person who can call this off. Call it off. The election is over. Call it off. This is bigger than you. It's bigger than any member of Congress. It is about the United States of America, which is more important than any politician. Call it off. It's over. We've also heard from former President George W. Bush, who issued a statement calling the unrest in the nation's capital a sickening and a heartbreaking sight. He said this is how election results are disputed in a banana republic, not our democratic republic. Mr. Bush went on to say that he is appalled by the reckless behavior of some political leaders since the election. He did not name Donald Trump, but said the assault on the Capitol was undertaken by people whose passions have been inflamed by falsehoods and false hopes. Mr. Bush said insurrection could do grave damage to our nation and reputation. That brings us up to speed as to the developments here in Washington, D.C. I'm going to turn now to... House congressional correspondent for SRN News, Bernie Bennett, he was on Capitol Hill, is still on Capitol Hill at this hour. And uh, Bernie, I just want to check in with you and tell us what happened. What was happening on Capitol Hill during this joint session of Congress when things really started to unravel? Just before all of this uh, started to happen, there was a uh, members of Congress decided to despite or dispute the uh, Electoral College uh, vote to tally from the state of Arizona saying that the Electoral College vote was reached legitimately in Arizona. So both houses uh, up and decided to go to either chamber so that they could debate for two hours whether or not it was okay to allow uh, Arizona's Electoral College vote to be counted. While they were in the midst of said debate or discussion, uh, these things started to happen. Uh, I actually was uh, in the hallway uh, away from my booth, uh, about to get some lunch, and then I heard, I saw some police officers running, I saw some civilians running, uh, and I, I was in the basement and I could hear a lot of commotion above me. Apparently that commotion was people entering the building, and uh, as I took an elevator to get to where I am supposed to be, I heard some further commotion, and that seemed to be people in Statuary Hall, uh, which is the hallway that connects both chambers of Congress. And uh, I saw footage of uh, some people uh, opening a door, uh, bombarding a door that has been closed to construction for at least a year. And it is also part of the Capitol that is uh, being separated or uh, protected for the inaugural events that are supposed to happen uh, in two weeks. 
In any case, uh, they breached the building there and made their way up to Statuary Hall. Uh, the House of Representatives was evacuated mostly. I did see some members of the press congregated there. We heard report that there were shots fired in the House chamber right around 3 o'clock this afternoon. I can confirm that no shots were fired in the House chamber, but I see footage of Capitol Police and maybe Secret Service trying to secure the area from protesters. Uh, but that's the case. They interrupted the uh, debate as to whether or not uh, Arizona's electoral college votes should be legitimately considered by either chamber. And I just got noticed that Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, has said that the uh, House will reconvene sometime tonight. Now that they know that members are, I suppose, safe and accounted for, we've gotten it all clear that the building, the Capitol itself, is cleared for use. Uh, I am sheltering in place in another building, not in the Capitol itself. Uh, National Guard troops are at the Capitol and throughout the city trying to restore order. But Nancy Pelosi has just announced that the reconvene, the House will reconvene this evening. Uh, there's no indication as to when as of yet. But there is a 24-hour, well, a 12-hour curfew in place in, in D.C. So We're talking with Bernie Bennett, U.S. House congressional correspondent for SRN News. Bernie, obviously we knew there was political tension going into the events today. We knew of the planned protest and demonstration near the White House on the Washington Mall and the ellipse uh, that was addressed by President Trump at midday. Knowing all of that, were there any indications on the Hill before the mayhem, before uh, the mob mentality took over there among some of these demonstrators, any indication, security-wise or otherwise, that uh, there was going Going to be uh, anything like this happening today? How to best answer this, Greg? Violence that took place, or some clashes that took place in Washington last night, leading up to this. I covered the uh, march in front of the White House today uh, when uh, Mr. Trump's sons were speaking to the crowd. Very peaceful. When Mr. Trump himself addressed the crowd at noon, very peaceful. He said, "I will walk with you to the Capitol. We can protest what's happening in the Capitol." Very peaceful. Uh, all of this commotion began somewhere between 2 and 3 p.m. There was there was heightened security up here, the area where I usually park my car. I didn't decide to drive today because I didn't think that I could. Um, I, it might be in the way of whatever it was the police were trying to do to secure the area. And I'm glad that I didn't uh, because that's where a lot of things started to take place. Um, but no, that there, there was... The building was basically empty, except for those of us who maybe need to be here, the media and the members and, and the other staff. Uh, there was not a lot of activity this morning. There was not. There, I did see protesters uh, gathering in front of the Capitol when I arrived uh, before 9 a.m. this morning. But they were gathering outside with megaphones and signs and just talking to each other, not interfering with anything or anyone and making no effort to enter the building. All right. Very good. Bernie Bennett, thank you very much. SRN News House Correspondent talking to us from Capitol Hill this evening. This is a special report from SRN News on chaos on Capitol Hill. I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. I want to turn now to Senate Correspondent for SRN News, Bob Agnew, who joins us uh, also by telephone from the Hill. Bob, we just heard the account of uh, what happened from Bernie's perspective. How did things uh, unfold for you on the Senate side of the Hill today? Well, I was working in my booth and um, got one of these announcements out in the hallway that they often do when there's internal news, like a special press conference. wasn't listening closely, and then when I went out a while later, I saw everybody hustling around preparing to evacuate. That was uh, the first sign I had that there were some interesting things going on in the building. I uh, kind of did something different. I went down in the hallway and started looking around, and so I wound up uh, halfway down the Capitol on the House side, 
close to where Bernie works there, and I, I stumbled right into, um, I was on the balcony looking directly down one floor below me, huge, massive amounts of people uh, pressing in against the Capitol Police, uh, posted videos of that that I got, by the way, on my personal Facebook account, just lots of snippets of uh, just massive uh, demonstrations, a certain amount of violence, certainly a lot of pushing and shoving and maybe a little bit of mace being fired uh, as well at that point. And uh, then I quickly encountered the ATF FBI guys. They came down the hallway pointing their guns and flashlights at me, and at which point I quickly uh, demonstrated my uh, press credentials. And then they escorted me back and did their best to get me back up into my regular work area. I ended up kind of being the only guy there for a while uh, before they finally came back and told me I had to leave. Uh, now they're not allowing us to actually leave the buildings over here. So I'm up here in uh, one of the uh, Senate office buildings. And uh, whether it's reporters, even a number of senators, I saw Senator Schumer just walk right past me. We're all basically in this one room over here now in one of the, uh, the Senate office buildings. So a lot of people didn't get out, and it could be a long night for all of us. All right, Bob, and uh, just uh, just briefly, uh, any indication uh, of, of what may happen now with some of these Republican lawmakers who are challenging results in a handful of these battleground states? Do you do you think that the events, these these violent events today are going to derail those efforts or have you heard anything along those lines? No, that would be pure speculation on my part, Greg. I know that I, I can't imagine anybody in this situation wanting to uh, allow the the violent types of things that happened today to derail whatever they wanted to do. So I would imagine they're going to pick up and try to finish what they intended to begin with. Uh, whether that will happen tonight, I don't know. As, as, I don't know if people realize this, but there are about five or six states where the results will be challenged when they're brought up over in the House with a joint session. For each one, the Senate needs to go back to its own chamber and spend two hours debating. And they're going to do that. And I don't think they were finished even with their first set of debates when all this broke out. So they've got a lot of catching up to do. And I don't know. uh, I can't imagine them saying, well, let's not do that. I think they want to at least go through their objections and uh, see how the votes turn out. But I haven't actually heard anything because we've been running around uh, uh, scampering all over the Capitol and can't really access our regular uh, news flow around here right now. Absolutely. Understood. Bob, thank you so much. Stay safe. You and Bernie, uh, thank you for your uh, reports from Capitol Hill uh, during these uh, very troubling times and frightening episodes on Capitol Hill earlier today. As we mentioned, and was Bob was just uh, describing, these chaotic protests halted the Congress mandate of counting the Electoral College votes. Uh, Biden defeated Trump with 306 electoral votes to 232, but Republican lawmakers uh, are pointing to fraud and other voting irregularities in several battleground states. And uh, as Bob was just mentioning, uh, lawmakers on Capitol Hill during this joint session of Congress presided by over by uh, Vice President Pence in his role as the president of the Senate are objecting uh, to accepting some of these election results. Now, uh, the, the vice president, Mike Pence, before the proceedings got underway at 1 p.m. Eastern time today, issued a statement saying that he does not believe the Constitution gives him the authority to overturn the election. Therefore, he was laying out the uh, the case that even though there is going to be these Republican objections to some of the electors from battleground states, that the process would go forward in terms of affirming Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. 
Again, all of today's unrest happening exactly two weeks before Inauguration Day on January 20th. As we saw today here in the heart of the nation's capital, protesters jumping over barricades and overpowering Capitol Police. There were windows smashed as people made entry into areas that they were not allowed and essentially storming the U.S. Capitol building. And again, those demonstrations did interrupt, at least temporarily, the joint session of Congress that is looking at the Electoral College votes. President Trump has told his supporters that even though he believes the election was stolen, they should go home and they should go home in peace. And Vice President... The former Vice President Joe Biden also denouncing the violence in Washington today. This has been an SRN News special report, Chaos on Capitol Hill. I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, welcome back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We're reviewing what happened on the Capitol yesterday as a joint session of Congress attempted to certify the election, which they have, of course, now done. Well, as pro-Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol in Washington on Wednesday, there were others supporting the president that gathered in state capitals all across the nation to oppose President-elect Joe Biden's win, and that led to evacuations of some state houses and lawmakers. Well, violence, as we know, erupted in Washington, D.C. as Congress tried to affirm Biden's electoral win. Well, the chaos in the nation's capital came as hundreds of people gathered in state capitals from Georgia to New Mexico, with many carrying flags and waving signs that read, Stop the Steal, and four more years. Some carried guns in places like Oklahoma, Georgia, Arizona, Nevada, and Washington State. And while most demonstrations were peaceful, that's generally the case across America, with some remaining small in size, there were reports of scuffles breaking out in states like Utah, California, and of course, Oregon. In Washington state, there were dozens of protesters, some of whom were armed. They broke through a gate at the Washington governor's mansion in Olympia. They gathered on the lawn for about 30 minutes before being cleared from the area. The Washington state patrol tweeted that Governor Jay Inslee and his family are in safe location without elaborating. Well, the crowd carried signs saying stop the steal and Trump won 2020. They were heard repeating uh, allegations of election fraud. Protesters had earlier gathered outside the state capitol in Olympia to demand a recount of the U.S. presidential election and the state's gubernatorial election. Inslee, a Democrat, won by more than 500,000 votes there. Then in Utah, at several locations in the state, protesters by the hundreds gathered outside the state capitol building in Salt Lake City. Governor Spencer Cox and Lieutenant Governor Deidre Henderson, they sent staff home as a precautionary measure. Some of the protesters were armed and many did not wear masks or follow social distancing. The demonstrations remained mostly peaceful. Uh, However, Salt Lake Tribune photographer Rick Egan said that he was pepper sprayed by a demonstrator who turned him uh, rather taunted him for wearing a mask and shoved him as he was shooting video of the protest. It wasn't immediately clear if anyone was arrested. In California, a pro-Trump rally near City Hall in downtown Los Angeles began peacefully but turned violent after police declared an unlawful assembly. Shouting uh, matches and fist fights broke out between small groups of protesters and counter protesters. Uh, Police arrested six people there. In Oklahoma, hundreds of pro-Trump supporters crowded on the steps of the state capitol in Oklahoma City. They waved flags, the signs saying stop the steal to protest the certification of the vote for Biden. Those demonstrations didn't turn violent. They ended early due to 
light rain. In New Mexico, the arrival of a caravan of hundreds of flag-waving Trump supporters in vehicles and on horseback prompted the New Mexico police to evacuate staff from the statehouse building as a precautionary measure as chaos and violence broke out in D.C. Demonstrators sang, God bless America. They honked their horns, wrongly announced on the megaphone that Trump was the rightful election winner, though Biden won the vote in New Mexico by a margin of roughly 11 percent. Local news outlets reported that the protests remained peaceful there. Then in Colorado, Denver Mayor Michael Hancock, he ordered city agencies to close buildings after hundreds gathered in front of the Capitol building for a protest against the election results. And in Oregon, protesters scuffled with counter-protesters at the state Capitol in Salem as riot police moved in. At least one person was arrested on suspicion of harassment and disorderly conduct as police in riot gear tried to get people, many of them armed, to leave. The area was largely cleared by mid-afternoon. So this was not uh, isolated to the Capitol, although the most violent expression of dissent uh, could be found there. Meanwhile, um, devices were found near the DNC and RNC with the Capitol riots um, uh, going on. The devices found near uh, both of the uh, political headquarters on Wednesday were actual explosive devices, according to a senior federal law enforcement official briefed on the investigations. Multiple IEDs resembling pipe bombs were found near the Capitol grounds on Wednesday with the riots that saw pro-Trump protesters storm the Capitol. Both buildings were located near the Capitol. One senior fellow law enforcement official confirmed that those devices were not phonies. These things were the real deal. Well, leaders, officials, and critics from America's adversaries are taking aim at the U.S. following the shocking scenes that unfolded on Capitol Hill, calling them everything from a beautiful sight to a fragmented democracy. And by the way, that's a quote from Nancy Pelosi uh, following events in Hong Kong where protesters were met with violent uh, resistance from the Chinese government. Iranian President Hassan Rouhani, he offered a scathing response to the deadly uh, violence sparked by the pro-Trump mobs, saying in a speech on state television that what we saw in the United States yesterday evening and today shows, above all, how fragile and vulnerable Western democracy is. A populist has arrived and he has led his country to disaster over these past four years, Rouhani added. I hope the whole world and the next occupants of the White House will learn from it. And China, the foreign ministry spokesperson, uh, ripped the U.S. over the way it has described past demonstrators in Hong Kong compared to the scenes that occurred on Capitol Hill yesterday. Everyone may remember how some U.S. politicians and media described the riots in Hong Kong. But look at their choice of words today, she said during a press conference, according to a translation from the state-affiliated Global Times newspaper. The U.S. mainstream media have unanimously condemned today's event, called it violent and shameful, and described the protesters as rioters, extremists, and thugs, she continued. But do you remember what they said about Hong Kong rioters? As uh, as you said, they called it a beautiful sight to behold, beautifying the city's rioters as heroes of democracy and claiming that America's Americans rather would stand with them. Well, you might recall back in June of 2019 how Speaker Nancy Pelosi had called pro-democracy protests in Hong Kong a beautiful sight to behold and said Chinese President Xi Jinping has been really taking China backward in terms of repression. Well, the Global Times newspaper, taking its own dig at Pelosi, wrote it in a tweet that it remains yet to be seen whether she will say the same thing about the recent developments on Capitol Hill. The Communist Youth League, they also uh, wrote next to a photo montage on social media um, that on the 6th, the U.S. Congress, a most beautiful sight to behold. Hmm. Russia's foreign ministry 
on Thursday commented that the events in Washington show that the U.S. electoral process is archaic, does not meet modern standards, and is prone to violations, according to a statement from the Moscow Times. Uh, published by the state-run RIA Novosti News Agency. We wish that the friendly American people will survive this dramatic moment in their own history with dignity, the statement went on to say. Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Maria Zakharova on her Facebook page shared a post that read, in part, the United States will never again be able to tell the world that we are the paragon of democracy. Communist Party leader Gennady Zayuganov also argued that the unrest was payback for past American foreign policy decisions, saying the boomerang came back to them. It was them that launched uh, color revolutions. In 50 years, they carried out three dozen, if not more, he said, according to the Moscow Times. They toppled the leaders of North Africa and Yugoslavia and ousted a normal government in Ukraine. They had uh, got at Belarus last year. Well, now you are paying for it. President Vladimir Putin so far has not commented on the situation. So not only are we watching, but the world is watching as well. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Back in a moment. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, despite objections from members of Congress and a massive pro-Tump rally in Washington that turned into a mob storming and taking over the U.S. Capitol building for a few hours yesterday, the joint session of Congress officiated by Vice President Mike Pence in the early morning hours of today eventually tallied the Electoral College votes, certifying Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. The official um, Electoral College vote tally was 306 for Biden and Kamala Harris, 232 for Donald Trump and Mike Pence. Those numbers were identical to the 2016 tally that was taken by the Electoral College. And while objections were raised by Republican lawmakers, as is provided by law, the vice president made it clear prior to the joint session that he would not act to prevent the certification of the vote, Writing in a letter, it is my considered judgment that my oath to support and defend the Constitution constrains me from claiming unilateral authority to determine which electoral votes should be counted and which should not, end quote. Well, after Congress reconvened following the removal of riotous um, mobs from the Capitol, the vice president forcefully stated to those who wreaked havoc in our Capitol today, you did not win. Violence never wins. Freedom wins. And this is still the people's house. And as we reconvene in this chamber, the world will again witness the resilience and strength of our democracy, for even in the wake of unprecedented violence and vandalism at this Capitol, the elected representatives of the people of the United States have assembled again on the very same day to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy also condemned the rioter, stating that mobs don't rule America, Laws rule America. It was true when our cities were burning this summer, and it's true now. Nobody has the right to become a mob, and we all should stand united in condemning a mob together. Yet McCarthy also acknowledged the legitimacy of Republican objections to the EC vote. I know what we debate, or rather what we debate today, is tough, but it's just, it's right. This isn't the first side of the aisle that has ever debated this issue. I thought about when Madam Speaker said back in 2005, this is democracy at its best, when they talked about a presidential election in Ohio. These are the moments that we should raise the issue about integrity and accountability and accuracy in our elections. Do you know what we should do? Not just raise the issue, but work together to solve the problems. 
Senator Ted Cruz, prior to the mob rushing the Capitol, offered his objection to the certification and argued for the creation of an electoral commission as a credible, a rather credible, impartial body to hear the evidence with an emergency 10-day audit of the six states in question. I'm not arguing for setting aside the results of this election. All of us are faced with two choices, both of which are lousy. Cruz stated that one choice is to vote against the objection. Tens of millions of Americans will see a a vote against the objection as a statement that voter fraud doesn't matter, isn't real, shouldn't be taken seriously. A great many of us don't believe that. On the other hand, most, if not all of us, do uh, do not believe that we should set aside the results of an election just because our candidate may not have prevailed. So we endeavor to look to uh, uh, door number three, a third option for that. I look to history, to the precedent of the 1876 election. In fact, we talked about that uh, yesterday. Now, the Cato Institute has argued that that's not the best example. That's a a bad precedent, but it gives you at least some idea. Well, Senator Kelly Loeffler, who is outgoing now, who had planned to back calls for an electoral commission prior to the mob storming the Capitol, had a change of heart. She said, when I arrived in Washington this morning, I fully intended to object to the certification of the electoral votes. However, the events that have transpired today have forced me to reconsider. And my guess is it wasn't just the storming of the Capitol, but the loss of her reelection bid. She went on to say, I cannot cannot not now in good conscience object to the certification of these electors. The violence, the lawlessness, and the siege of the halls of Congress are abhorrent and stand as a direct attack on the very institution my objection was intended to protect. Well, in the end, it was the sobering words of Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell that ruled the day as he gave one of the most significant speeches of his career. While noting that the fraud and irregularities of the election, Mr. McConnell also observed, and I'm quoting, I've supported the president's right to use the legal system, dozens of lawsuits, perceived hearings and courtrooms all across our country. But over and over, the courts rejected these claims, including all-star judges whom the president himself had nominated. Every election we know, uh, we know features some illegality and irregularity. And of course, that's unacceptable. I support strong state-led voting reforms. Last year's bizarre pandemic procedures must not become the new norm. Yet he further observed, my colleagues, nothing before us proves illegality anywhere near the massive scale, the massive scale that would have tipped the entire election. Nor can public doubt alone justify a radical break when the doubt itself was incited without any evidence. The Constitution gives us here in Congress a limited role. We cannot simply declare ourselves a national board of elections on steroids. He warned, and he continued, the voters, uh, the courts, and the states have all spoken. They've all spoken. If we overrule them, it would damage our republic forever. In closing, he stated, so I believe protecting our constitutional order requires respecting the limits of our own power. It would be unfair and wrong to disenfranchise American voters and overrule the courts and the states on this extraordinarily thin basis. And I will not pretend such a vote would be a harmless protest gesture while relying on others to do the right thing. I will vote to respect the people's decision and defend our system of government as we know it. Win or lose elections, the institution of the American system of representative government must be upheld or we have no republic at all. Well, that means dealing squarely with a bulk mail balloting fraud that was uh, uh, imposed by the left during this election. It does not mean lawlessness. Those rioters who stormed the Capitol yesterday were devoid of any respect for our nation, its laws and the Constitution they claim to defend. It's easy to assume that if uh, 
protesters, whether that's Black Lives Matter or uh, supporters of Donald Trump, if we agree with their basic premise that we somehow overlook their violent um, uh, outbursts, but it is wrong in every case when violence uh, breaks out. In fact, Abraham Lincoln warned us that mob rule begets mob rule. The right to peacefully assemble and protest is an essential one guaranteed by the Constitution. Breaking into and vandalizing federal property or private property, for that matter, for whatever cause, is not. Now, regardless of the original message of the protest, those who orchestrated the break-in to federal property deserve condemnation. It's a violation of the rule of law, not to mention a federal crime. Now, certainly many on both the left and the right came out quickly to condemn the violence, and it would, however, be a mistake to see what happened um, in isolation. Let's not forget that Washington, D.C., as with many other cities across the country, including our own, had already been beset last year by mobs and waves of violent riots uh, when rioters lit fires, smashed windows, toppled statues, physically and verbally assaulted political opponents in the name of BLM and other issues this summer. The result was that a street was named for the movement in front of the White House. The violence wasn't limited to just Washington. Around the country, um, large swaths of cities were set ablaze as police departments became overwhelmed and politicians did little to stop it. A lawless autonomous zone was created in the middle of downtown Seattle, which led to widespread property damage and several deaths. Many um, uh, called to defund the police rather than defending the police while they were besieged, and more than a few turned down federal uh, aid when it was clear that things had spun out of control. Portland had the highest spike in violent crime in the entire country, which is saying something, given the nearly unprecedented national surge in violent crime across the country. Now, that is the consequence of rampant lawlessness. It, we saw it uh, expressed yesterday. We've seen it for months prior to yesterday, but it must come to an end. Whatever your ideological bent is, violence is not an acceptable answer. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. We've got news and traffic coming up at the top of the hour. We'll be back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the second hour of The Georgine Rice Show. Glad to have you with us. Yesterday was uh, quite a spectacle in our nation's capital. We're going to share with you an inside look of what happened there as a joint session of Congress attempted to certify the election. Regardless of which side of the ideological continuum you might find yourself on, violence is not a proper response to what's happening in the country. It wasn't over the summer, and it certainly wasn't yesterday at the nation's capital. We're going to share that with you coming up in our next segment, so stay with us. <clears throat> what we do know is shortly following the certification, which was completed early this morning, President Trump released a statement affirming that he will transfer power to Joe Biden on Inauguration Day. Well, that was pretty much a foregone conclusion, but whether or not the president would cooperate was an unknown. The statement came after unconfirmed reports that Republican officials were looking into removing the president by invoking the 25th Amendment of the Constitution. Even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out, President said, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. He added that he would continue our fight to ensure that only legal votes are counted, end quote. President Trump has refused to concede defeat to Joe Biden, which isn't necessary for the transfer of power, but he's alleging the Democrats stole the election via widespread voter fraud. In light of the allegations, which uh, the president's allies have failed to support with evidence in the courts and other venues available, Republican lawmakers from the House and Senate agreed to voice objections to the state elected results. However, earlier in the day, the president incited a crowd of thousands of supporters to demonstrate on Capitol Hill. Now, in all fairness, he probably had no idea it would uh, end up 
devolving into violence, but nonetheless, was it an appropriate call under the circumstances? Meanwhile, Vice President Mike Pence presided over the certification process as required by law. He completed the ceremony despite pressure from the president, who told supporters on Wednesday that Pence had the power to overturn the election results. Senator Jim Inhofe, a Republican from Oklahoma, told the Tulsa World that Pence was livid at the president over the uh, Wednesday rally and subsequent riots, saying, I've never seen the vice president as angry as he was today. Inhofe said, I had a long conversation with him, he said, uh, after all the things I've done for Trump. So um, I suppose it went both ways following events of yesterday. President Trump expressing his displeasure with the vice president, saying that he didn't have the courage Uh, to challenge the Electoral College, the vice president saying he doesn't have the authority uh, to challenge the Electoral College. Well, Democrat John Ossoff defeated Republican former Senator David Perdue in a bitterly contentious Senate race in Georgia, a win that along with Reverend uh, Raphael Warnock's defeat of GOP Senator Kelly Loeffler secures the Democrats' control in the upper chamber of Congress. Ossoff is a 33-year-old media executive. He won a runoff election against Purdue, the one-term senator and former Fortune 500 CEO, who at 71 is more than twice Ossoff's age. Well, the November Election Day results failed to give either candidate a majority that forced yesterday's rematch. Well, Ossoff claimed victory Wednesday morning. Warnock was declared the winner over Loeffler early Wednesday morning as well. Well, with Warnock and Ossoff's wins, the Senate is deadlocked with 50 Democrats and 50 Republicans, with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris serving as the tie-breaking vote for Democrats. But Democrats still need to get their entire caucus on board to remove the 60-vote filibuster to end debate on most legislation, which is not a sure thing. Now, Purdue narrowly missed defeating Ossoff in November's election, falling short of the 50 percent threshold needed for victory. Purdue was at a disadvantage when it came to fundraising. Ossoff was the best fundraising, best funded candidate of all time for a single congressional election. Through the 16th of December and the latest FEC filings available, Ossoff raised $138.3 million. Purdue raised $89.1 million. Now, Purdue hit his opponent for his heavy out-of-state donations, saying that Ossoff, uh, Ossoff rather, raised twice as much money in California as he did in the state of Georgia. Ossoff's top contributors included uh, employees of Google's parent company, Alphabet. They contributed about 952,000. Apple employees, about 295,000. Microsoft workers gave 275,000. Amazon employees, 255,000. Facebook 225,000, according to the Center for Responsive Politics. Purdue's top contributors included employees of Delta Airlines. They contributed about 130,000. Home Depot employees, 108,000. And Goldman Sachs employees, about 86,000, according to the research. Well, the Georgia runoffs have been some of the most expensive two months of non-presidential politics in American history. The total ad spending on the two races reached nearly $500 million. It's pretty rare that voters head to the polls for a congressional race knowing there's such high stakes. And it's not usually clear that such races will determine the balance of power in either chamber when they cast their votes on the same day as other states. Ossoff promised to take take power away from Mitch McConnell and has done just that. In addition to staking out his position as a force against a socialist takeover, Purdue, he repeatedly accused Ossoff of concealing financial ties to the Chinese Communist Party. He also hit the media executive for taking thousands of dollars for his company from Al Jazeera, that controversial media outlet. Well, with the Ossoff and Warnock runoff wins, 
Democrats will take control of the Senate and will control all elected power in Washington, D.C. once President-elect Joe Biden is inaugurated on January 20th. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Up next, we're going to hear what happened in the Capitol chaos on Capitol Hill. That's coming up next on The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, coming up, we want to share an SRN Salem Radio Network special report, Chaos on Capitol Hill. It's anchored by White House correspondent Greg Cluxton, giving us an inside view of what happened yesterday. This is an SRN News special report, Chaos on Capitol Hill. I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. A curfew is in effect in the capital city of the United States this evening after a turbulent and violent afternoon in and around the U.S. Capitol building. Angry pro-Trump supporters who were in Washington today to protest the presidential election results jumped over barricades, overpowered Capitol Police, smashed windows, and stormed the Capitol building. The demonstrations interrupted a joint session of Congress with Vice President Pence presiding. The Capitol was put in a lockdown. Lawmakers, staffers, and members of the media were evacuated, and National Guard troops were deployed. Some of the demonstrators breached security, even making their way inside the Senate chamber at one point, as well as in the Capitol Rotunda. Now, as of this hour, officials have declared the U.S. Capitol complex secure after heavily armed police moved to end a nearly four-hour violent occupation. Authorities also have recently confirmed that one woman was confirmed to have been shot and killed during the mayhem. Several hours after the unrest started, President Trump released a video statement from the White House Rose Garden. This was a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of these people. We have to have peace. So go home. We love you. You're very special. You've seen what happens. You see the way others are treated that are so bad and so evil. I know how you feel. But go home and go home in peace. Earlier, President-elect Biden delivered remarks in Wilmington, Delaware, harshly condemning the attack in the nation's capital. Let me be very clear. The scenes of chaos at the Capitol do not reflect a true America, do not represent who we are. What we're seeing are a small number of extremists dedicated to lawlessness, This is not dissent. It's disorder. It's chaos. It borders on sedition. And it must end now. I call on this mob to pull back and allow the work of democracy to go forward. Vice President Pence, who was inside the Capitol during the chaos, tweeted that the attack will not be tolerated and that those involved will be prosecuted. And from Capitol Hill, Wisconsin Republican Congressman Mike Gallagher expressed a strong objection to the protests by Trump supporters who refused to accept the results of the 2020 presidential election. This is the cost of this effort. This is the cost of countenancing an effort by Congress to overturn the election and telling thousands of people that there is a legitimate shot of overturning the election today, even though you know that is not true. We have got to stop this. Mr. President, you have got to stop this. You are the only person who can call this off. Call it off. The election is over. 
Call it off. This is bigger than you. It's bigger than any member of Congress. It is about the United States of America, which is more important than any politician. Call it off. It's over. We've also heard from former President George W. Bush, who issued a statement calling the unrest in the nation's capital a sickening and a heartbreaking sight. He said this is how election results are disputed in a banana republic, not our democratic republic. Mr. Bush went on to say that he is appalled by the reckless behavior of some political leaders since the election. He did not name Donald Trump, but said the assault on the Capitol was undertaken by people whose passions have been inflamed by falsehoods and false hopes. Mr. Bush said insurrection could do grave damage to our nation and reputation. That brings us up to speed as to the developments here in Washington, D.C. I'm going to turn now to... House congressional correspondent for SRN News, Bernie Bennett, he was on Capitol Hill, is still on Capitol Hill at this hour. And uh, Bernie, I just want to check in with you and tell us what happened. What was happening on Capitol Hill during this joint session of Congress when things really started to unravel? Just before all of this uh, started to happen, there was a uh, members of Congress decided to despite or dispute the uh, Electoral College uh, vote, the tally from the state of Arizona, saying that the Electoral College vote was reached legitimately in Arizona. So both houses uh, up and decided to go to either chamber so that they could debate for two hours whether or not it was okay to allow uh, Arizona's Electoral College vote to be counted. While they were in the midst of said debate or discussion, uh, these things started to happen. Uh, I actually was uh, in the hallway uh, away from my booth, uh, about to get some lunch, and then I heard, I saw some police officers running, I saw some civilians running, uh, and I, I was in the basement and I could hear a lot of commotion above me. Apparently that commotion was people entering the building, and uh, as I took an elevator to get to where I am supposed to be, I heard some further commotion, and that seemed to be people in Statuary Hall, uh, which is the hallway that connects both chambers of Congress. And uh, I saw footage of uh, some people uh, opening a door, uh, bombarding a door that has been closed during construction for at least a year. And it is also part of the Capitol that is uh, being separated or uh, protected for the inaugural events that are supposed to happen uh, in two weeks. In any case, uh, they breached the building there and made their way up to Statuary Hall. Uh, The House of Representatives was evacuated mostly. I did see some members of the press congregated there. We heard report that there were shots fired in the House chamber right around 3 o'clock this afternoon. I can confirm that no shots were fired in the House chamber, but I see footage of Capitol Police and maybe Secret Service trying to secure the area from protesters. Uh, But that's the case. They interrupted the uh, debate as to whether or not uh, Arizona's electoral college votes should be legitimately considered by either chamber. And I just got notice that Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, has said that the uh, House will reconvene sometime tonight. Now that they know that members are, I suppose, safe and accounted for, we've gotten it all clear that the building, the Capitol itself, is cleared for use. Uh, I am sheltering in place in another building, not in the Capitol itself. Uh, National Guard troops are at the Capitol and throughout the city trying to restore order. But Nancy Pelosi has just announced that the reconvene, the House will reconvene this evening. Uh, there's no indication as to when as of yet. But there is a 24-hour, well, a 12-hour curfew in place in, in D.C., so 
We're talking with Bernie Bennett, U.S. House congressional correspondent for SRN News. Bernie, obviously, we knew there was political tension going into the events today. We knew of the planned protest and demonstration near the White House on the Washington Mall and the ellipse uh, that was addressed by President Trump at midday. Knowing all of that, were there any indications on the Hill before the mayhem, before uh, the mob mentality took over there among some of these demonstrators, any indication security-wise or otherwise that uh, there was going to be uh, anything like this happening today? How to best answer this, Greg? Violence that took place or some clashes that took place in Washington last night leading up to this. I covered the uh, march in front of the White House today uh, when uh, Mr. Trump's sons were speaking to the crowd, very peaceful. When Mr. Trump himself addressed the crowd at noon, very peaceful. He said, I will walk with you to the Capitol. We can protest what's happening in the Capitol. Very peaceful. Uh, all of this commotion began somewhere between 2 and 3 p.m. There was, there was heightened security up here, the area where I usually park my car. I didn't decide to drive today because I didn't think that I could. Um, I, it might be in the way of whatever it was the police were trying to do to secure the area. And I'm glad that I didn't uh, because that's where a lot of things started to take place. Um, but no, that there, there was, the building was basically empty except for those of us who maybe need to be here, the media and the members and, and the other staff. Uh, there was not a lot of activity this morning. There was not, there, I did see protesters, uh, gathering in front of the Capitol when I arrived uh, before 9 a.m. this morning, but they were gathering outside with megaphones and signs and just talking to each other, not interfering with anything or anyone and making no effort to enter the building. All right. Very good. Bernie Bennett, thank you very much. SRN News House correspondent talking to us from Capitol Hill this evening. This is a special report from SRN News on chaos on Capitol Hill. I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. I want to turn now to Senate correspondent for SRN News, Bob Agnew, who joins us uh, also by telephone from the Hill. Bob, we just heard the account of uh, what happened from Bernie's perspective. How did things uh, unfold for you on the Senate side of the Hill today? Well, I was working in my booth and um, got one of these announcements out in the hallway that they often do when there's internal news, like a special press conference. wasn't listening closely, and then when I went out a while later, I saw everybody hustling around preparing to evacuate. That was uh, the first sign I had that there were some interesting things going on in the building. I uh, kind of did something different. I went down in the hallway and started looking around, and so I wound up uh, halfway down the Capitol on the House side close to where Bernie works there, and I, I stumbled right into, um, I was on the balcony looking directly down one floor below me, huge, massive amounts of people uh, pressing in against the Capitol Police, uh, posted videos of that that I got, by the way, on my personal Facebook account, just lots of snippets of uh, just massive uh, demonstrations, a certain amount of violence, certainly a lot of pushing and shoving, and maybe a little bit of mace being fired uh, as well at that point. And uh, then I quickly encountered the ATF FBI guys. They came down the hallway pointing their guns and flashlights at me, and at which point I quickly uh, demonstrated my uh, press credentials. And then they escorted me back and did their best to get me back up into my regular work area. I ended up kind of being the only guy there for a while uh, before they finally came back and told me I had to leave. Uh, Now they're not allowing us to actually leave the buildings over here. So I'm up here in uh, one of the uh, Senate office buildings, and... uh, whether it's reporters, even a number of senators. I saw Senator Schumer just walk right past me. We're all basically in this one room over here now in one of the, uh, the Senate office buildings. So a lot of people didn't get out, and it could be a long night for all of us. 
All right, Bob, and uh, just uh, just briefly, uh, any indication uh, of, of what may happen now with some of these Republican lawmakers who are challenging results in a handful of these battleground states? Do you do you think that the events, these these violent events today, are going to derail those efforts, or have you heard anything along those lines? No, that would be pure speculation on my part, Greg. I know that I, I can't imagine anybody in this situation wanting to uh, allow the the violent types of things that happened today to derail whatever they wanted to do. So I would imagine they're going to pick up and try to finish what they intended to begin with. Uh, whether that will happen tonight, I don't know. As, as I don't know if people realize this, but there are about five or six states where the results will be challenged when they're brought up over in the House with a joint session. For each one, the Senate needs to go back to its own chamber and spend two hours debating, and they're going to do that. And I don't think they were finished even with their first set of debates when all this broke out. So they've got a lot of catching up to do, and I don't know. Uh, I can't imagine them saying, well, let's not do that. I think they would want to at least go through their objections and uh, see how the votes turn out. But I haven't actually heard anything because we've been running around uh, uh, scampering all over the Capitol and can't really access our regular uh, news flow around here right now. Absolutely. Understood. Bob, thank you so much. Stay safe. You and Bernie, uh, thank you for your uh, reports from Capitol Hill uh, during these uh, very troubling times and frightening episodes on Capitol Hill earlier today. As we mentioned, and was Bob was just uh, describing, these chaotic protests halted the Congress mandate of counting the Electoral College votes. Uh, Biden defeated Trump with 306 electoral votes to 232, but Republican lawmakers uh, are pointing to fraud and other voting irregularities in several battleground states. And uh, as Bob was just mentioning, uh, lawmakers on Capitol Hill during this joint session of Congress presided by over by uh, Vice President Pence in his role as the president of the Senate are objecting uh, to accepting some of these election results. Now, uh, the, the vice president, Mike Pence, before the proceedings got underway at 1 p.m. Eastern time today, issued a statement saying that he does not believe the Constitution gives him the authority to overturn the election. Therefore, he was laying out the uh, the case that even though there's going to be these Republican objections to some of the electors from battleground states, that the process would go forward in terms of affirming Joe Biden as the next president of the United States. Again, all of today's unrest happening exactly two weeks before Inauguration Day on January 20th. As we saw today here in the heart of the nation's capital, protesters jumping over barricades and overpowering Capitol Police. There were windows smashed as people made entry into areas that they were not allowed and essentially storming the U.S. Capitol building. And again, those demonstrations did interrupt, at least temporarily, the joint session of Congress that is looking at the Electoral College votes. President Trump has told his supporters that even though he believes the election was stolen, they should go home and they should go home in peace. And Vice President the former Vice President Joe Biden also denouncing the violence in Washington today. This has been an SRN News special report, Chaos on Capitol Hill. I'm Greg Clugston in Washington. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show. We are looking back on an extraordinary day in the nation's capital. It wasn't clear at the time how it was going to end, but the election has been certified. President Trump, well, he's being challenged even by his own party, the 25th Amendment being invoked as a means to remove him from office 
two weeks before the inauguration. Well, President Trump did promise an orderly transition to a Joe Biden presidency early today. That's after a Congress certified Biden's electoral victory in an overnight vote shortly before 4 a.m. The president said, even though I totally disagree with the outcome of the election and the facts bear me out, nevertheless, there will be an orderly transition on January 20th. He said in a statement, now the inauguration will be unprecedented in that there won't be the large crowds, there won't be the typical parade, there won't be the pomp and circumstance that usually involves the outgoing president, so it's probably rather convenient this time around. Trump's statement coincided with Vice President Mike Pence's announcement that the, from the Capitol, rather, that the Electoral College vote from December 14th, which followed the popular vote on November 3rd, had been certified in favor of President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Well, the early morning certification followed a volatile Wednesday in Washington in which pro-Trump protesters stormed the Capitol, forcing a lockdown. The rioting there had lawmakers from both major parties placing blame in the direction of Trump, accusing the president of using fiery rhetoric to further inflame supporters who were already upset about Trump's loss at the polls. In other developments, Trump slammed his vice president, saying that Pence didn't have the courage to decertify the results of the presidential election. The question is, is it courage or authority? And Trump lashed out at weak Republicans for not backing his push to overcome the election or overturn. Meanwhile, House members um, Harris said, um, Alred nearly came to blows. The, the pair, Harris and Alred, nearly came to blows during the Pennsylvania certification debate that preceded the certification. And Loeffler changed her mind, saying she couldn't reject the certification. I'm not sure if the outcome of the election in Georgia weighed heavily into that, but she uh, backtracked. Lindsey Graham called Biden lawfully elected, saying enough is enough following the breach of the Capitol. And Biden's pick for Department of Justice top civil rights post has called for partially defunding the police. Well, a woman who was fatally shot inside the U.S. Capitol on Wednesday was later identified as Ashley Babbitt, a 14 year veteran of the U.S. Air Force who lived in San Diego. Babbitt was a strong supporter of President Trump, according to her husband. Early reports said the woman who was shot in the chest and transported from the building just before 3 p.m. yesterday, uh, according to the Washington, uh, D.C. Metropolitan, uh, Metropolitan Police, the department later confirmed that a police officer had fired the shot while trying to control the crowd inside the Capitol. Three other people died of medical-related issues, 70 arrests after chaos at the Capitol, according to officials. Well, Nancy Pelosi's office has stormed during the uh, Capitol chaos, or was stormed. Uh, the Senate chamber was also breached. Trump Tower areas in New York City and Chicago also saw protesters and clashes with police. And Sean Hannity condemned Capitol violence and called for uh, perpetrators to be arrested and prosecuted. A West Virginia lawmaker was among the rioters in the nation's capital. Well, Twitter and Facebook, well, they've locked... Um, President Trump's account for the first time Wednesday night with both platforms saying he violated their policies and Twitter going a step further to warn him that more violations of their rules would result in a permanent suspension. Twitter's move came after the social media giant removed a video the president tweeted in which he told protesters who had stormed the Capitol to go home while maintaining that the 2020 election had been stolen. The violent protests erupted on Capitol Hill during a joint session of Congress to certify the results. Facebook, too, removed the president's video message and locked his account for 24 hours, preventing him from posting to his Facebook page. In other developments, George W. Bush, he spoke out, ripping reckless behavior of some political leaders after the Capitol mayhem. James Mattis denounced Trump, saying that he will be left a man without a country. And Representative Liz Cheney slammed Trump for intolerable conduct, saying the president incited the mob. 
Jonathan Turley says Trump's legacy is in tatters after supporters rioted on the Capitol. Senator Tom Cotton called on Trump to quit misleading his supporters as well. When the latest from business, CEOs, uh, business groups, uh, they both condemned the Capitol Hill protests and violence and urged peace. The U.S. holds its first oil lease sale for Alaska's Arctic refuge. And J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon condemned the Capitol Hill violence. U.S. companies slashed jobs for the first time since April, ADP reports. And Impossible Foods, well, they cut their distribution price again to compete with the meat industry. Senator Marco Rubio, he offered his reaction to Wednesday's rioting that stopped the Electoral College certification on Capitol Hill. I think it's one of the saddest days in our modest uh, history, probably in our history altogether. I think they're uh, high-fiving in Beijing. The Chinese look at this, and it bolsters their claim that we're falling apart. They're the country of the future. I think it's inexcusable. I think it's 100% inexcusable. I don't care what the motivation was. Well, as I shared earlier in the first hour of the program, that is precisely not only what the Chinese are saying, but what Iran and Russia are saying as well. Well, conservatives were quick to condemn the Trump protesters. Those who participated in the mayhem were overwhelmingly condemned by conservatives. Just a few from Twitter, Hugh Hewitt, arrest everyone who has violated the fencing, prosecute to the trespassers' fullest extent of the law for any crime beyond the simple trespass, conclude the proceeding and confirm the election of President-elect Biden. Uh, Rule of law, conservatives cannot be silent about this. Dr. Albert Moeller says, What we are seeing in Washington now is the refutation of our American commitment, a form of unleashed anarchy, which is the enemy of order, liberty. President Trump is responsible now for unleashing mayhem. Pray that God will rescue us uh, from this. Kimberly Strassel says the breach of the Capitol is unequivocally wrong and needs to end. And those who continue to undermine the orderly and peaceful transition of power need to understand this is where it goes. Ben Shapiro says a horrible day for the country. Uh, Violent rioting inside the Capitol must be met with full brunt of the law. Joni Ernst says, I served in uniform to defend the right to peaceful protest. What's happening at Capitol right now is not peaceful nor protest. It's anarchy and a betrayal of the American ideals we hold dear. Kurt Schlichter, he says, I'd support that the uh, people who committed crimes today at the Capitol should be treated exactly like the BLM Antifa rioters, except that won't work because I think the criminals today should be prosecuted and punished. The others were not. Tom Cotton says this violence is unacceptable and needs to be met with the full force of the law. God bless the Capitol Police for keeping us safe. Eric Trump says we are the party of law and order. Prosecute anyone who crosses that line to the fullest extent of the law. And a statement from uh, Rich Lowry. There'll be a time to litigate this, but it's hard to understand how the mob was allowed to breach the building in the first place and why it took so long to begin clearing the grounds. Well, there'll certainly be questions asked and answered regarding that, one would assume. Well, as you now know, in the end, just six senators voted in favor of overturning the election and Congress voted to support the election results. We'll be back in a moment. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Hey, we're back. You're listening to the final segment of the Georgine Rice Show. Well, this has been a peculiar season, and I'm referring to the end, well, the middle and the beginning of 2020, right up through the first few days of 2021. Disappointment has been a familiar friend to a lot of Americans these last several weeks. More than anything, we just want something to go our way, a court case, a congressional challenge, a win, and maybe... Maybe things would settle down. I'm quoting Tony Perkins, who says, in disappointment, we can be buoyed by hope. 
He writes, um, if it doesn't, if there isn't a win in the offing in the short term, this isn't the end. Not by a long shot. Are there harsh realities in store for our country? No question about it. But it's how we respond as believers and as deeply patriotic Americans that will ultimately decide this nation's fate. Not a new president, new house or a new Senate. Success, Winston Churchill reminded people, is not final. Failure is not fatal. It stings, but it should also motivate. Conservatives, remember, have been here before. The most recent time in 2009, the political hole was much deeper. More than a decade ago, when President Barack Obama was sworn in, Democrats controlled both chambers of 27 state legislatures. Eight years later, that number was cut in half to 13, and Obama may have ushered in a 60-seat majority in the Senate and a 257-seat majority in the House, but two years later, he lost 63 of those House seats to Republicans, and by his second term, both chambers were taken over by the GOP. Nothing, not even the most extreme administration in history, is forever. Democrats can and will certainly try to pull America to the extreme left with whatever majority they have. But this isn't 2009. There is no uh, are no blank checks for Joe Biden to fundamentally transform America. As Politico pointed out, even if John Ossoff wins, and of course we now know he did, the party's control in both the House and the Senate would be so tenuous that just a handful of uh, House Democrats and even a single Senate Democrat could tank a bill. Biden's agenda, they warn, won't be without roadblocks. One of those roadblocks will be the Democratic Party itself. An internal struggle is brewing. The fierce push and pull between moderates and the far left wing. Already this morning, Representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Pramila Pramila, um, Jayapal were out with their list of demands, an outrageous grab bag of extremism from free college tuition, reproductive justice, climate action in D.C., statehood for D.C., socialized medicine, and outlawing the death penalty. Their socialist support will salivate at the ideas, but cooler heads, if there are any, will remind them that what happened Tuesday doesn't negate what happened November 3rd when Americans rejected the House's radical leftward lurch. With just 11 seats to her advantage, or possibly 10 when New York's 22 is finally called, Speaker Nancy Pelosi will be leading from the weakest Democratic majority since World War II. Senator-elect Raphael Warnock is also operating on borrowed time. His seat, thanks to the nature of Kelly Loeffler's 2019 appointment, put him back on the ballot in 2022. Georgians who may have elected him, but will they uh, may have elected him rather, but will they re-elect him after two years of explosive anti-Semitic, anti-life socialist fandom? At the end of the day, this is a unique opportunity for both parties. And the last thing any of us can afford to do is throw up our hands and walk away from it. Well, regardless of what happened in Georgia, these won't be uh, an easy 24 months. But if 2016 taught us anything, it's how much we can harness our strength if we exercise it. Together, we have the power to raise leaders who love and believe in the country and its foundations. We know because we've done it. We can effect change at every level. We know because it's been done. Well, there are people in this nation who will emerge from the turmoil of these last several weeks, racked with fear and anxiety. Praise God that we don't have to live that way. As Christians, we have the gift of an eternal perspective that teaches us there's a tomorrow, and no election, no power of man can take that from us. He changes times and seasons, Daniel, second chapter, 21st verse tells us. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Let's all be buoyed by the hope we have in Jesus to overcome this world if we do as the Apostle Paul says. And just keep standing. That's the challenge 
we find ourselves in at this time. Well, continuing to take a look at some of the uh, the day's news, four were dead, 52 arrested after chaos at the Capitol. If you're looking for things to pray about and for, let's pray for the nation, its new leaders, and the direction that the republic takes. Andy No says it wasn't Antifa on Capitol Hill, and D.C. mayor extended the public emergency declaration until after Biden's inauguration. Several White House officials, including but not limited to Mick Mulvaney, have resigned, saying we refuse to continue after what happened yesterday. Explosives were found at the RNC and DNC, the real deal, according to sources. On a normal day, this would have been big news. However, yesterday, there was a lot going on. Rioting at the U.S. Capitol exposed epic failures of security, an ex-NYPD lieutenant says, and the mainstream media suddenly find lawlessness inexcusable after glamorizing unrest when it fit liberal agenda. Critics say, well, at least the media finally came around to the idea that riots are scary. Well, a confident Stacey Abrams says, says Georgia, rather, the runoffs are just the beginning. And George Soros gets behind abolishing the police. Well, half of Chicago teachers refuse to return to work this week. Uh, No big surprise. uh, No big surprise there. Tit for tat. Buffalo Bills fans launched a petition to keep Andrew Cuomo from attending Saturday's playoff game. Well, a study says young adults in the U.S. are overeating during the pandemic lockdowns. I know, like you, I'm shocked, Captain Obvious. And a link's been found between self-control in childhood and success later in life. Again, I'm just as shocked as you are, Captain Obvious. On this day in history, 1999, for the second time in history, an impeached American president goes on trial before the Senate as President Bill Clinton faces charges of perjury and obstruction of justice. 1789, American uh, holds its first presidential election as voters choose electors who, a month later, would select George Washington to be the nation's first chief executives. Executive singular. 1904, the Marconi International Marine Communication Company of London announces that the telegraphed letters CQD would serve as a maritime distress call. It would later be replaced by SOS. 1953, President Truman announces in his State of the Union message to Congress that the United States has developed a hydrogen bomb. 1959, the United States recognizes the new government of Cuba six days after Fidel Castro led the overthrow of Batista. 1979, Vietnamese forces capture Cambodian capital of Phnom Penh, overthrowing the Khmer Rouge government. That was then. This, of course, is now. Finally, a group of people raucously confronted Portland Mayor Ted Wheeler while he was dining in northwest Portland on Wednesday. A video clip of the encounter shows a small group confronting and yelling at Wheeler while he's trying to have dinner inside a tent set up for outdoor dining. Portland police reported one person punched the mayor in the shoulder. Wheeler wasn't hurt in the incident, which happened on Kearney Street near 19th Avenue, according to police. The reported punch wasn't captured in the video clip that showed other aspects of the confrontation. He was uh, told you are going to be made to feel like the scum you are, one person yelled at Wheeler during the confrontation, which was first reported by Oregon Public Broadcasting. No one has been arrested and an investigation is underway. Again, violence is unacceptable. And we would do well as believers to even communicate with those with whom we disagree to tell them, I am praying for you, for your safety. I'm praying for wisdom as you Uh, make decisions about the future of this community. What a difference we might make if we were to uh, communicate in that way and not just, I oppose what you've done here or there. 
Just a thought. Hey, we are out of time. I appreciate your joining us today. I want to thank James Blend for producing, Clark Hilton for engineering, and Dan Rice for the use of his office. And thank you for making the Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Spend some time on your knees. We certainly need it as a nation, but as individuals as well, so that we might respond in a way that is Christ-like and may contribute to the peace of our city and our nation. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ.